Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome or welcome back to the Thoughts That Manifest podcast. I'm Elle, and I am a mindset and manifestation coach who aims to inspire you to awaken your mind to the limitless potential that is within you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode. Courtney and I are joined today with a very special guest, manifestation coach, metaphysical coach, and angelic spirit guide channeler, Natalie Schlut. Hello, Natalie. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Well, thank you. I'm so honored and excited to be here with you, ladies. So excited. I figured we could start this episode off kind of with you just giving us a little bit background about you and how you got to where you are today and got involved with everything that you do. Yeah, you know, that's always a a fun and interesting question because there's so many twists and turns and ways I can spin it because life is life, right? You know, I'm almost 40. And I've been through a lot in my life. I experienced a lot of emotional trauma and physical ailments in my life. And I think the the way I got to where I am now is because of all the struggles that I've had. So as a manifestation life coach, and even with my psychic awakening, it all happened because of the hardships that I experienced. So you know, as a child, I grew up in a big family. And there's just a lot of fighting, a lot of arguing me as an empath, like soaking in everyone's emotions, I somehow became the counselor and the mediator even to my parents as a child. (laughs) And so it was a lot for me and I internalized things. And as a kid, I didn't have the emotional support and guidance from a parental figure that knew how to communicate well or support me emotionally. So you know, once I realized as an adult, what I was doing as a child, I was you know, recycling information in my mind and emotions about trauma. I was like memorizing trauma as a child and it just got worse and worse in my teens. I was so depressed and so emotional that I was like doing drugs and drinking and trying to numb out and got to that point where I was suicidal for a while. There's an entire year when I was 19 that I don't remember because I was on drugs three times a day for an entire year. And I got to that point where I started going crazy and kind of hallucinating and I didn't know what was reality and what wasn't. And that was when I heard voices come to me and say, you're meant for so much more. You are going to be helping people, you know, in the future. And the only way to get through this is to face your fears and to face your traumas and to actually deal with this. So at that point in my life, I just kind of stopped everything cold turkey and I started my personal growth journey. It was a very long and difficult, challenging journey. I've dealt with chronic pain every day of my life since I was 12 years old. I've had neurological issues, digestive issues, you know, brain fog, fatigue, back spasms, uh, everything you can imagine that my body has been through. And it was a long journey learning how to become better with my emotions, how to heal my past, how to forgive things that had happened, how to have more confidence in myself and really love who I am as a person and to move out of the patterns of having to be the savior for everyone in my life. As I did more and more healing through my 20s, you know, I didn't really know where my career was going to go, but I grew up as a dancer and I had a lot of chronic pain. So I, when I ended up going to college, I actually shifted from my dance degree into athletic training. So I kind of went the Western medicine route of understanding like the physical therapy part of what's going on with the body, trying to figure out a way to heal myself. And through that, I learned that a lot of it wasn't physical. I mean, there are some physical things. I now do a lot of the medical medium work dietary wise to clear out pathogens in the body that cause neurological issues. But as I was doing my own work, reading tons and tons of books on therapy, on personal growth, I got to the point where I really started to heal. And I realized that a lot of my 
physical healing was the emotional healing that I was doing. I was getting better results because I was physically, like mentally and emotionally feeling better. I was the type of person that had a meltdown, literally massive meltdowns every single week of my life. I was crying for, you know, I actually cried like for 10 years every single day. And I, I just, I went through a lot. And because I went through so much and I struggled so much, I was forced to find answers. And so my whole life, my entire adult life has been searching for answers for physical healing, for mental healing, emotional healing. And through that, the spiritual healing happened too. And so as I went on this journey, I finally got to the point where I realized the emotional work I was doing for myself on the side all through my 20s was getting me better results than just doing the physical stuff, you know, the physical rehab, the Pilates, you know, all, all that kind of training and things like that. And as I was working, because I worked with dancers and performers, as I was working on people to heal their physical ailments and the misalignments in their body, I started getting psychic impressions. <laughs> I would see colors in their body. I would see textures. I would touch them and I would have visions of a fight that they just had with their boyfriend, like this huge blowout. And that's why their, her, their entire back was out and they could hardly stand up. I was picking up psychically what was going on underneath the surface. And so... You know, I, I had already done a lot of the physical training with the rehab, and then I was doing my own life coaching trainings at that point because I, I knew that was where I wanted to go. And then suddenly, as I healed enough, I opened up. I had cleared out so much of my own traumas that I was raising my vibration, and suddenly I was attuning more psychically, just naturally. And so then I realized, well, shoot, now I need to figure this out. <laughs> Now I have to like, this is clearly something that I'm meant for. This is clearly something that's coming to me. And I felt like it was a calling. And so then I started a lot of my psychic training. I started reading book after book. I found some mentors that could help guide me doing a lot more deep meditations. And I worked on my psychic and my channeling skills every day for years. It does take time, but for me, it was first tapping into my intuition, then calling in guides and angels, and then just being able to tap into just about anything. Like I had sporadic, random, intuitive moments, psychic moments, which most people do throughout their lifetime. Maybe it's once a year, a couple times a year. It was just random. You know, I had visions at seven years old that in my late 30s, I would be writing books and speaking on stage. I knew this as a child, you know, that moment when I finally got off the drugs and I just, I knew I was meant to be helping and coaching people, but I knew it was going to come in my 30s instead like I needed all my 20s to figure out me and just my life so everything kind of culminated to this point where then I felt ready to put myself out into the world as a coach and all the work that I did and I'm still doing the work you know I I'm constantly I'm always taking new courses reading new books doing more research because this is the world that I love. I love helping people. I love helping and learning and growing myself. And I love imparting my wisdom onto others. I have decades of experience, decades of knowledge that I can impart to other people. And I do that because I wish I had a shortcut when I was 20 years old and really, really suffering. You know, when I was really emotional and just a complete wreck, I wish that I had a mentor or someone who had been through it all and showed me the steps and showed me the things that were going to work the best instead of me spending the last 20 years trial and error, figuring it all out. A lot of error, right? There's, there's a lot of failure, not failures, but things that just didn't work. You know, this diet and that diet or this therapy and that, there are ones that just worked a lot better than others. And it, it took me decades of trying everything under the sun in order to find what really helped me get my mind in alignment with what I want to manifest to get my emotions healed and settled to, 
you know, neutralize my past traumas so that they don't trigger me anymore. And now it's just beautiful wisdom that I can impart on other people, the physical healing, dietary wise, with the medical medium work, every everything that I've learned, and even with the channeling, it's all due to my hard work and my nonstop perseverance to find answers towards healing on the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual levels. And so that's my long story kind of shortened as much as I can get it to. But yeah, it's yeah, that's kind wow. of how I've gotten to where I am. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. So much, so much. And actually, this is kind of just a question that popped to my head that isn't entirely related to what we're going to be talking about today. But I'm just curious, because I feel like so many people struggle with this. And I would love to know your best tip for this. How did you find it in your heart to let go of resentment and forgive? Because I know you said that was a huge part of your process and your journey. So I'm just curious. Yes, it was. And I spent a good year really working just on forgiveness. And it's funny because there were a lot of methods out there. Like there's this one method, Ho'oponopono. So if you do neuro-linguistic programming, it's a Hawaiian method of like sending love and sending love. And for whatever reason, that just didn't work for me. (laughs) It didn't, you know, it's a very common one in the mindset and NLP world. So I actually created my own method that I call the letting go process. I found a way that worked for me. And it started with me, I, I decided that I was going to do a forgiveness practice every day. And I did it for six months straight. So for six months, every single day, I woke up and I asked myself, who do I need to forgive? And then I practiced feeling that forgiveness in my body. And the funny thing with this practice was every single day I had to forgive myself. Mm-hmm. There was only maybe once a week that someone else came up that I had to forgive, you know, a family member, an ex, uh, an ex friend, you know, things like that. And it was me, I had to forgive myself for mistakes that I had made in the past for not living up to my own high expectations on a pedestal that I was never going to be able to reach. And it was me with all the guilt and shame of not being the perfect person that I thought I was supposed to be my whole life. And through that practice, a lot of healing happened. And what I found was that there were certain steps that I needed to go through in order to fully forgive. And one was acknowledging that I had unforgiveness, whether it was towards someone else, towards myself, towards a life event. You know, some people are just so upset that something happened to them. They lost a job or a lost a family member and they're angry at God, whoever it is, whatever it is. First, acknowledging that you're holding on to that resentment is step one. And then the step two is coming to the realization that you're holding on to it as a protective mechanism. So we do this as a way to save ourselves. This is actually like a safety mechanism. And we understand how the brain works and the primitive brain when we're in fight or flight and stress, when these hardships happen, we find a way to put walls up so that we don't get hurt again. And it's, it's a very logical, it makes sense, right? We, we put up walls, we put up boundaries, so that doesn't happen again, especially like, let's mm-hmm. say a breakup, you know? A, it sounds a like the ego jumping in. Yes, it's 
there are pros and cons to this. It's not a bad thing. And this is what I, the reframe is really important to understand. It's not a bad thing to have these walls because there are moments, say a loved one passes on where we have to still go to work. We still have to do things. We have to put up these walls and these boundaries in order to protect ourselves, right? Same with a, a really bad breakup. Someone you've been with for five, 10 years, and then you break up and you still have to move on with your life. You have to go to events and parties and you have to show up at work and just be on. You have to put up these barriers to protect yourself because you can't cope in the moment. So this is kind of important for us. It's an important part of who we are, but at a certain point, it no longer serves us. We do need to process those emotions in order to move past it, but we can't hold on to it forever. And what happens sometimes is we hold on to things for decades and that's when it doesn't serve us anymore. So it's it's a good thing and a bad thing if it's too long, right? Like there's always that moderation where some of it is healthy and some of it is not. And so acknowledging that your brain and your body is doing the best it can and like thanking yourself, thank you subconscious mind, thank you ego, thank you for protecting me by holding on to this resentment and making sure I don't let anyone walk all over me again. I don't let anyone break my heart that way. I don't, you know, let that kind of pain and grief debilitate me to the point where I can't function. Like, thank you for doing what you did. Thank you for holding on to this so that I could function and I could do what I needed to do. So step one is acknowledge. Step two is recognizing and thanking that part of you for doing that. And then step three is telling that part of yourself, that subconscious part of yourself, we don't need it anymore. We just don't need it. It's okay. Thank you. I'm glad you held on to this, but we're done. <laughs> we're, we're over it. We're ready to move on. We're strong enough. We're smart enough to let this go. And then you actually have to let it go. You have to feel a sense of letting go. And this is typically where people stop with the forgiveness process, but I found that there you have to go one step further. And step four is reprogramming a new belief, a new emotion. So now that I've let go of this hatred toward my, towards my ex, or I've, I've decided to let go of the grief and the frustration at God that I lost a loved one or whatever it may be, once you decide, what are you going to feel now? So because now there's this void, there's this space, but you need to fill it with something new. And whether that's gratitude for the wisdom that that brought you, you know, gratitude for the strength and the willpower and how much that actually built you up or, you know, any variation, you know, sending love to the, the ex or the friend or whoever betrayed you or, you know, those kind of things. And if someone really hurt you, understand that forgiveness is not for them. So if someone really did something wrong to you, say you were physically abused or sexually abused by a stranger or someone you knew, by forgiving, it doesn't condone what that other person did. It does not make it okay. Yeah. So that's a really big one. I think a lot of people hold on to things because it was wrong. And sometimes flat out it is. There's there's no denying it. It was the wrong thing that someone did to you. That's definitely, I think, where a lot of people get tripped up on and stuck is they think that by forgiving, it means that they're saying, it's okay you did that. Or like, you know, yeah. I'm going to keep you in my life or whatever it may be. Exactly. Yeah. Like that mentality is like so ingrained in society that like part of your forgiveness process is that you're, like you said, like letting that person off the hook for whatever happened. And then I think a lot of people who struggle with those things that are like not forgivable for them or like it crosses such a huge boundary for them that they're like, well, I can't forgive them because if I forgive them, then that means it's okay that they did that. Mm -hmm. And then I think if you take it a step further, it 
some people might even think like, and then if I forgive them and I let them off the hook, then how am I ever going to recognize this boundary? And now it's going to be like, am I going to let someone else do that and not even notice? So mm-hmm. exactly. And and that's the the thing. I think we have this idea that forgiveness lets people off the hook and it makes it okay. And it doesn't. Forgiveness is really there just to set you free. It's for your freedom. It's for your happiness, your joy, your maturity, and you moving forward and manifesting whatever it is you want in your life. As long as you're holding on to those resentments, you are the one holding on to the anger, the fear, the frustration, and that's lowering your vibration. So when you let go, it's really about setting yourself free and trusting that the universe will give them their own karma. They are going to have to deal with their own consequences, but that's not for you to do. And again, it doesn't make it okay. And it also doesn't mean that by forgiving, you're ever going to allow anyone to do that to you again, or allow that energy into your life. You now have the knowledge and the wisdom of that experience. So you create healthier boundaries. Forgiveness, you know, especially if like, let's say it's a friend or someone that betrayed you, just because you forgive them and you set it free from your own emotion and your own body doesn't mean that you can have to let them back into your life. It doesn't mean that they have to be that same friend, or maybe they can be, you know, not as good of a friend, but you keep your healthy boundaries. You have to Mm. learn, right? We still have to be smart about how we move forward and just know, okay, I can't trust this person with my secrets, or I, you know, I can't do A, B, and C with this person, but maybe it's okay to, you know, invite them to parties or whatever. Or, you know, Mm. I, I, I'm just done. I don't want that energy in my life. They're out. (laughs) Some of the experiences we've had with other friends where we're like, okay, you're a friend that's now in this group of like, you're fun to do stuff with, but you're not going to meet me where I'm at, like metaphysically. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And it's okay to put people in different boxes. We have different people for different needs, right? Like there are certain people that we go to for our deep secrets and others that we go to emotionally, others that are just kind of fun. And that's okay. Everyone has their their own space. There's not one person that can meet all of our needs. We need community and just knowing who's who and where they fit into is important. And so that's part of the process is becoming wiser Mm -hmm. because of it. It sounds like the most important step is honestly like, holding space for yourself where you even feel your feelings. I feel like that's 99% of people like, oh, my clock says it's two, two, two. <laughs> Sorry. I always, whenever we're recording and I look over, I'm like, oh, it just happens to always be a triple number. Of course. <laughs> but yeah. Like I think for me for a long time too, like being so caught up, I also came from a large family, very similar to you, very dysfunctional, a lot of very chaotic and loud, a lot of like dysfunction in the home and everything. And it took a long time as well for me, like being on my own and having so much quiet space and just like holding that space that was quiet and being like, okay, well, now that I'm alone, like, how do I feel? What is going on? Why, what certain things cause all this stimulation and you know make me feel these certain ways and it's it's a process that I think we we have a good way as as human beings of either like filling up all of our time so we don't have that time to process and really make space and sit and be grounded with our healing journeys or I don't know how to explain it I think it's just been societally like not what do we say Lauren like society has been like reaching like a new consciousness level 
and it's all seen through like astrology of the world right now. Yeah, I mean, I definitely do think that, well, even if you think about 2020 pandemic hitting and everything, that really forced a lot of us to be alone with our thoughts in a sense and kind of also forced a lot of us to pause and I think that's so important like you're talking about is like trying to find the balance in allowing yourself to feel your emotions but also not get stuck in them Mm -hmm. because I think it's also really easy to get stuck in them too right agreed and that's part of the the learning and growth and and maturity process is one being self-aware to know what we're holding on to and where we're at but then also making sure that we spend a significant amount of time training ourselves to be who we want to be training ourselves mentally emotionally and physically with our habits our thought process of who do i want to be who does natalie want to be today (laughs) you know and how do i want to show up I can either choose to sit in where I am and just stay and feel all my feelings and be like, oh, this is my life. This is my past and blah, blah, blah. Or I can be like, okay, I'm aware of myself, but you know what? I can consciously choose to be whoever I want to be and show up however I want to show up. And the only moment we ever have is now. And so, yeah, coming to that consciousness and making that more mature choice. I was going to say one of my favorite quotes that I heard was what you're not changing you are choosing mm-hmm. and yes. I found it so powerful Natalie have you I know that you said you'd love to do a lot of research and it sounds like a lot of your journey has been realizing how with other people and yourself how the what you're holding on to emotionally manifests physically have you ever read the book the body keeps the score yes Mm-hmm. I loved that book. My yeah. actually, my nursing school professor for mental health was like, "You like leave our class, read this book, come back to me later." Mm-hmm. And I listened to the book because I'm kind of lazy. I'm not really a reader. I'm more of a chore doer and listener. And Mm -hmm. I remember listening to it and then calling Lauren because I have like chronic pain in my shoulders. And I was telling her, I'm like, this was absolutely amazing. Like the book was discussing anger and holding on to anger and how it literally manifests as a physical burning sensation, like in your muscles. And I was like, I did the actual release tip mechanism from the book, which I think was like, you know, one of the things you can do is like punch a pillow and really let like just acknowledge your anger, because that's another thing, be a whole side conversation, but where we feel shame about being angry. So we don't release it, we hold on to it. And then it physically manifests, which of course, there's also you can go a step further and figure out why you're angry. Right. But I told her I was like, I punched the pillow and the pain went away. I'm like, this is wild. (laughs) It is pretty incredible. And Lewis Hayes has a great book too on You Can Heal Your Life. She also has You Can Heal Your Body. It's very similar in the way where she can like explain how certain illnesses can relate to emotions. Exactly. And, you know, dealing with decades of chronic pain myself, this then the biggest part of my journey. And what I've found up to this point, because I'm, I'm so many decades into understanding physical pain is we experience physical pain on multiple levels, and we do need to address all variations. So they're the mental, emotional, physical and spiritual. And so Lewis Hayes great at breaking down like the spiritual reason, which is also mental and emotional, right? We're holding on to anger, we might feel it in our arms or in our shoulders, because that's our aggression, like we're ready to punch something, right? 
right? And so being able to break down what are the thoughts, the emotions, the past, and then being able to process and release it, right? Going through that whole letting go and forgiveness process that I mentioned, but also physically getting out of your body, punching the pillows. Perfect. That's what I tell all my clients to do. And for some people, if that doesn't work, there may be more layers to it. And so this is where in my 30s, I mean, all through my 20s, I tried every diet under the sun to try and heal my physical body as well. But it wasn't at that point, you know, 20 years ago, Anthony William, I don't know if you ladies follow medical medium, but he wasn't around then he was not in the public. So his research wasn't there. I had a friend who sent me stuff about medical medium. I think I do follow him on Instagram. I have a friend who is a really wonderful, like holistic vegan coach. And she creates these wonderful recipes. And she's all about like healing her body with juices and cleanses and smoothies. And she sent me some of the I'm very interested and very passionate about nutrition. Lauren knows this Mm -hmm. and how to basically like get rid of a lot of these toxins that are put in these food like products and they're not really serving our bodies. And she sent me the thing. So yes, I know who I've heard. Yeah. So, you know, if you start by, and this is for anyone who's listening, because, you know, this idea of, oh, yeah, I have this pain in my shoulder, I just punched a pill and it went away. And I realized it was anger. Great. Well, what if you do that? And then it's not still not working. And you have more chronic stuff going on, right? This is where there are layers to our healing. And so we also have a physical body. We cannot ignore the the fact that we are a soul hanging out in a physical human being body. We also live in a day and age where there is a lot going on in our environment. There's heavy metals being sprayed in the sky. It's in our water. There's toxic chemicals and pesticides on our food. Natural fires. Lauren, she has a on our. Yeah, Yeah, even on our clothing and our uh, furniture, there's fungicides. We're born even by being passed down with toxins, heavy metals and chemicals from our parents or grandparents from our ancestors. And so we come into a world that's filled with all these toxins and debris. And that can actually cause there's a lot of viruses too. you know, for 100 years ago, they started experimenting in labs and creating super viruses. This is where the coronavirus came from, you know, and they've gotten more and more aggressive and they replicate faster. And what they do is when they eat things like eggs, dairy, gluten, corn, things like that, they eat it. And when they purge, basically when they defecate or go to the bathroom, they release neurotoxins that are neurological toxins. They actually break down and attack your nervous system. So if you're having aches and pains, you might have something going on like that. You know, there's also different toxins that can cause tumors. They can cause cancer. They can cause kidney disease or any other symptoms you have. Literally any symptom you could ever think of in the human body that's chronic and doctors may not be able to figure it out. It's probably because an overload of toxins, viruses, bacteria, and or heavy metals any combination of those in your body. So doing the physical work where you're cutting out the foods that feed the viruses, which means you have to eat a ton, a ton of fruits and vegetables and lots of potatoes and do celery juice in the morning. There's heavy metal detox smoothies. His books are amazing. I've read every book cover to cover. I've listened to every podcast of his. I've been deep in his work for the last probably six, seven years. I'm currently even today going through his liver cleanses right now. And it's really powerful work. So making sure that you know, you know that there are these layers, not everything is spiritual, not everything is physical. And it could be a little bit of both. Sometimes it's both doing a lot of angel work has been miraculous healing for me as well. I had a traumatic brain injury a little over two years ago, and I was literally laying in bed for almost two years. And then yeah, as it was, it was a crazy, crazy journey. But one of the things that got me up and out of bed very quickly was doing angel healings. And so sometimes there is soul work that needs to be done. Because 
our soul is connected to our body through our brain. That's where our soul comes in, our crown chakra. And what happens is even if we have micro traumas in our life, little pieces of our soul will start to disassociate from our body in order to protect us. It's another soul protection mechanism. So say you're a kid on the playground and you're being bullied or your parents say something mean to you or your brothers and sisters are picking on you or you know something big happens, you lose your job in your 20s or something. Anything that's traumatic or for me, the brain injury literally falling. I felt my brain hit the back of my skull when I hit the ground. Those kind of situations can cause soul disassociation. So everything from angel healings to doing kind of the spirit work and figuring out what's going on in your body, the body keeps score, the Lewis Hay stuff, and even just healing the forgiveness. These are all layers, the mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual, all of those need to be addressed. And that's really what I teach in my soul mastery school. So I have an online school where there are multiple levels of courses to go through so that you are healing on all these layers, so you can manifest whatever you want. And it, it you know, it's taken me this whole lifetime to get to this point of understanding that we all have variations within these four boxes of what needs to be healed. And it's different ratios for everyone. It's your journey, but making sure that you're addressing at least some layers in each box, you'll figure out very quickly where you need to be and what you need to be healing to really create the life that you want to create. I think it's interesting too. like, there were two things. One, I was going to ask you to explain angel healing, but I did want to mention too, that I feel like a lot of people have this misconception too, that like your healing journey is supposed to be like, I, I envision it as like, people think of it as someone like frolicking freely through like a wildflower field and that's how people like envision I don't know if that makes sense but like that's how it should feel when you're going through your healing journey and if I've learned anything from Lauren and what was my last year that I went through my Saturn return oh yeah yeah so if I've learned anything I've I've learned that healing is not fun but the results of it are what you're really kind of going after. But yeah, I was really interested in like, what is angel healing? I've never heard anyone talk about it before. Yeah. So there are angels, right? Messengers of God. You've got your archangels, some of the bigger, more well-known ones that are in the Bible, you know, Archangel Michael and Gabriel and so forth. There are also, there, there are many layers of angels that you can work with. And even medical medium in his books, he talks about angels that you can bring in to help you heal your physical body, to neutralize toxins and foods if you're, you know, can't eat organic and things like that. But it's about utilizing angels and calling them in verbally and out loud and bringing them into your life so that they can help you heal, help you heal your chakra, your auric system, your physical body to help bring you guidance and protection. And for me, having them do soul retrieval work on me, which is going out and collecting all the pieces of my soul that have been scattered throughout my many lifetimes, this lifetime, other lifetimes that have disassociated me. So like I was saying, um, I during my couple of years in bed with that brain injury, I felt very disconnected. I felt like I wasn't in my body and I didn't know how else to describe it, but I'm like, I'm not in my body. I felt so brain foggy and out of it and just like my body, I, this is probably the third incarnate of my body in this lifetime because I, I had a certain body before the brain injury and there was a lot of chronic pain associated with that. But then when I had the brain injury, my body became a totally different body. Very, very different. It was 
unlike anything I'd ever experienced. So challenging to function or move or do anything. Everything took so much energy because I had so much neurological trauma from that fall. And then after I started doing angel work, it was like I jumped into a third body that I've never experienced. The body that I have now is stronger than the one that I had before my brain injury even. And I do believe it was because of the angelic work that I was doing, bringing them in to reconnect my soul into this body, this physical body that I'm in right now, and doing just layers of healing, layers of healing on chakras, bringing them in to do layers of healing on past lives that I've had that are interfering, interfering with this lifetime, and just deeper layers of my subconscious even that helped me to become more present, more connected, more myself than I've ever felt in my lifetime. And so we can call on angels all the time. You know, that's a really beautiful thing that we can do in order to help us heal. So you can imagine it years ago, I got certified in Reiki healing because I was sucking in people's energy when I was doing, you know, physical therapy work on them. And so like, say their neck would hurt and I would work on their neck and I'd come home and my neck would hurt that night or I'd work on their forearm and then my forearm would hurt when I got home from work and things like that. So I originally got certified in Reiki in order to stop that pattern and learn how to separate my energy. And instead of me utilizing my own energy to heal them, I would start to shift my consciousness and allow divine, like God, God consciousness to flow through me. So it was less of me pulling in other people's stuff. So as they were talking, and I'm kind of giving them a mini therapy session while I'm working on their aches and pains, you know, I would let that energy flow through me versus me holding on to it. And it's a similar process, you know, working with angels where they are stronger than I am. So if I was to give you a Reiki session, I actually don't put my energy forth into healing you. I just call in the angels and I let them go to work on you. I let them go to town on healing your body, healing whatever's going on. And they will communicate with me and show me what they're doing. They will let me see what they're working on. And it's a little bit different for each person. You know, some of my clients come in and we'll have a session and, you know, 80% of the session was all past life stuff. They just had to clear a lot of past life karma, a lot of past life trauma. Other people come in and it's a lot of stuff from this lifetime, or it's a lot of chakra and aura work. You know, they, they've been, had a lot of things gone on this lifetime, so they need more physical clearing. It just depends on the individual, but the angels can come in and do the work for you. And because they have so much more strength and power. The results are really incredible. Ooh, that's so cool. Really <laughs> interesting. I was actually going to ask you about Reiki too. <laughs> yeah. I'm just really passionate about these topics. Yeah. Reiki is beautiful. And I mean, it, it is just divine energy flowing through you. When you go through like a Reiki certification program, you get attuned to certain symbols and those symbols hold power, right? Everything that is symbolic has its own energy and vibration and frequency. And it's allowing divine energy to flow through your body. But through this attunement process, it helps you to kind of open your third eye intuition. And it is just it's very similar to the angel healing, just another way of seeing it or experiencing it. I've actually found over the years, the angel healing is for me has been more powerful than you know, the Reiki training I did a decade ago. It's it's like leveled up the amount of healing that I've experienced, not only for myself, but my clients. And I think the difference was and I know everyone gets trained differently, but with Reiki, it was very much, you know, you're standing over someone's body and you're moving your hands and you're feeling energy. And I would feel it in my hands. I would feel the textures and the things I would get some psychic impressions, but it felt very much like I was trying to control the situation with the healing. And now that I've leveled up to the angel healing work, I just step back and I let the angels do their thing. 
and it's so incredibly powerful. So they both have similar intentions. You're just utilizing different guides. The Reiki guides are of a different origin, right? They're, they're just a different spiritual divine energy coming through, but everyone, everyone does it differently too. Every Reiki person that you're going to go to has a different experience. They have different trainings. Uh, they're a different individual with a, a whole slew of different things. So you never know. <laughs> what you're going to experience, but there's always something beautiful that comes out of it in the end. Love that. Is that something you're interested in, Courtney? Because didn't you say you were you were always wondering how to get certified in? Um... Oh yeah, I was actually even while you were talking, I was thinking about how like angel healing and Reiki healing would actually be really useful as my practice as a nurse because I'm yes. always trying to like, especially in the ICU, like thirty. We, we lose 30% of our patients. It's just a fact of how sick the patients come in. By the time they come into the ICU, they're just that sick. And so it's an emotionally very draining job. And it's also very physically taxing. And I'm about to hit my one year mark because I'm pretty new. But it's just this year has been a lot of sleeping and resting on my off days and focusing on how to like restore my body, which is fine. But I feel very drained after I work because I think I'm putting like you were describing so much of my own physical effort into being that healer for those people that it may be beneficial for me here soon in the future to figure out how to, like you said, like channel more divine energy so that I'm not giving so much of myself emotionally. Not that that's a bad thing, but just to protect more of my own energy. I do actually find it coincidental though, that um, Lauren and I had a conversation about protecting some of my energy while I'm there. So I actually carry amethyst. What are they? Amethyst is for my third eye, Lauren. Yes. And then I carry rose quartz. And that one, I just, I was in the shop and it spoke to me. So I, it, that was like a total intuition thing. I was like, I need to have this one. Um, I'm actually picking up if you get a citrine for your solar plexus. I have rainbow citrine, which is great. Yeah. You need something for your solar plexus to stay in your power. Um, And we we can talk a little bit more when this is, we're done with the podcast interview, but I do have some resources for you that would be really great. I've got a great YouTube video and podcast on moving energy through your body as an empath. So you're not holding on to things. Mm -hmm. I'm also, uh, for those listening, we are on zoom right now. So I'm seeing a lot of debris in your aura, Courtney from the weight of people that have come and gone at work. And so there, there is some heaviness. There is, there are some things I don't want to say attached to you, but in your auric field that are causing you to be very tired. So I also have on my website, a bundle of meditations that you can purchase for energy clearing, for clearing your chakras, your auras, and kind of rejuvenating your energy. So for you, particularly, not only the practice of while you're at work, letting energy move through you, letting divine energy move through you, if energy from the patients are coming into you, and you start feeling their heaviness, let it just pass right through. You're you're intuitive, right? So we're going to feel it. We can't stop ourselves from feeling everything, but you're holding on to some of it unconsciously. And you're also exuding your energy unconsciously. So when you can learn how to move energy more better in and out of your body, you'll get less drained. But then I would also recommend doing 
some energy clearing. So maybe even when you're driving home from work, you know, just imagine yourself, you know, scanning your auric field, scanning your chakras in your body and pulling all of that energy into your solar plexus, and then push it out of your solar plexus and throw it down a one way drain. So you're like dumping all of the energetic debris from everything you experienced at work on a regular basis. And when you're done with that, fill yourself up with light. For you, I'm hearing gold light so that you're very energized and empowered back into your own integrity of who you are as a soul on this planet. That way you're refilling yourself up with you, with just Courtney energy, the the brightest version of Courtney that you can be and letting go of everything else. So these couple of practices are going to completely change how you experience work if you do them consistently. I used to also do like daily yoga that included like affirmations and meditation and they were short, but Lauren and I actually had like our color auras red. Um, What was it like a year and a half ago? I've gotten mine red so many times, but yours- It was when we went to Salem and then we all got COVID. Two years ago, I think. And at the time I was doing the yoga meditation and affirmations almost like every morning and start when I started nursing, I kind of stopped having all of my, you know, rituals as I call them. Like it just that routine that I would wake up and do certain, a certain routine. And I feel like more blocked since I stopped doing it on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and that'll happen. Yeah. When we lose ourselves, right? When we're not taking time to connect with our body, with our intention of who we are and who we want to be, then the world influences us. There's this saying that I like to remind my clients of sometimes is whoever holds the strongest energy in the room will overpower the room. And so if you're not doing your practices, your rituals, whether it's yoga, whether it's your affirmations, or just being consciously intentional about the vibration that you're holding in your own body, the world will take over. The people around you will weigh on you, whether that's at work, whether it's friends, family, TV, right? Watching the news, listening to the radio, even TV programs that you watch, all of that is going into your subconscious and affecting your vibrational frequency. So if we're not on a daily or even like semi-daily basis being intentional with how we want to feel and creating that emotion, that feeling, that frequency, then we, everything else will take over. And so however, in any way, shape or form that you love, that excites you and you can mix it up. You can do yoga one day, you can do Pilates the next, you can go for a I walk. I really love nature. sound baths. I want to go to like live sound bath, but I haven't yes. found one, but we're even like start doing, I thought about, I have a second room and I've honestly, I haven't even told Lauren this, but I've been really wanting to kind of like make some space in that second room and get some sound bath bowls and actually like start doing my own sound bath. You should. Those are incredible. That's so lovely. It Those really make a difference, a huge difference. Whatever you resonate with, as long as you're taking a little bit of time each day to be intentional, especially morning and evening of setting your intention for who you want to be today, how you want to feel. And then at the end of the day, letting go of all this stuff and coming back to you and setting that intention for your subconscious, you know, as you go to sleep, those little things really make a difference. I just connect so much with water. So when I do my energy clearing and cleansing, it's when I'm in the shower. Mm. Yeah. That's why I I like baths. Baths are like, yeah, Yeah. for everyone it's different. Like I, 
I, I do sometimes just need to take a quick two minute shower before I go to bed, just so I can like feel refreshed. And I have some clients where they have to do their baths because that's where they have their psychic moments and they meditate and they get all their visions and it's beautiful, you know, find what resonates with you. We're all unique. So we, and there's so many tools in the toolbox that we can all use and you just got to find what you love and mix it up to keep it interesting and exciting. I was talking to actually funny enough, my hairstylist, cause I had my hair done yesterday. And she's incredible. At some point, I'll snag her to be on on here. But she does a lot of like heal different types of healing work. And her and I have actually had a lot of beautiful moments together because she creates such a great space. She's like a hairstylist with holistic healing. I don't know how to explain what she does, but it's very different than anything I've ever experienced. But anyway, the point is her and I were having a conversation as well about like while you're healing and you're doing your rituals or finding your rituals, allowing yourself not to feel shame or guilt if there's a day where you are more physically tired and so you don't do your full rituals and allowing yourself to have that space. Because for, for me, and I wonder... I'm sure some listeners struggle with this. I wouldn't necessarily call it like a lack of motivation, but it's like understanding that there are some days where your ritual needs to just be rest. And that could be like physically just being in bed or physically sleeping and and having that be okay. Because I feel like we've lived in a world for a very long time where taking time to physically rest is taught to us that it needs to be earned. Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily agree with with that. <laughs> oh, I don't agree at all. Definitely not <laughs> with, with that concept. Yes. And it, it is true. Every day is different. There are seasons and cycles for everything. There is day, there is night. We have summer, we have winter. There are days where we are energized. We feel strong and fit. There are days where we're sick and we're tired and our immune systems run down. And it is the same thing with our spiritual routine as well. Some days you're just overwhelmed. You have a lot going on in your life and your routine is going to look a lot simpler. You know, with all of my practices, you know, my daily meditation practices, I usually meditate for an hour. That's when I channel. I go through ebbs and flows. There are times where it's really just me calming my nervous system and just being present and still. And then there are other times where I go through like a week or two where I can't sleep because I'm channeling so much information. Like my guides are downloading so much and I'm constantly, you know, taking in psychic information for my business, for my life grades and whatnot. I feel that, I feel that one. <laughs> yeah. And then at other times yeah, I feel a lot, right? it's her channeling <laughs> energy is her channeling energy. Well, I'll let you talk, Lauren, you talk about what? it. About my channeling your, or yeah, your energy level is high for that. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. It's hard because I'm still, I think, trying to figure out like Like you have had years of practice with this. And I think I'm still trying to figure out, you know, my way a little bit with channeling energy in a non-sporadic way. I feel like my channeling can be very sporadic and like kind of all over the place sometimes. And for a while I was doing a lot of tarot readings and things like that, but I don't think I was properly setting boundaries the way that I should have. I probably could have done a lot better job. So I was getting very drained after doing the readings that I've actually stepped back a ton from doing it just because I don't have the energy really. I don't know if it's I don't have the energy anymore or if it's I'm focusing on too many things that I want to do. It's probably a mixture of both. But there's so many things, right? Like you were talking about how you get downloads about your business and things that you want to do. And that is constantly happening to me where I'm 
always having new ideas, always gaining new insight. And it's like, whoa, I need to step back and focus on one thing at a time. And because if I'm focusing on all of it coming in, I don't know what to do with it all. I get overwhelmed by it. And I'm like, I don't even know where to start. I want to do it all, but I'm only one person. And so it's, yeah, it's a lot. It is a lot. Yeah. And that's part of being a visionary too. Those of us that are of like the visionary mind and body, you know, what helps me is just literally jotting it all down in a notebook, you know, in a document on your phone or your computer. Oh, and my then, notes. Ooh, it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I'm obsessed with notes and then prioritizing, you know, going through that. When it comes to your channeling, what it sounds like was happening is, and this is very common, I have a course on channeling and psychic mastery because it, it took me years to kind of figure out the nuances of what was going on. In the beginning, it is very sporadic. And creating a regular practice of specific exercises, which, which is what I teach in my courses, helps to build all of your psychic muscles. So we have various psychic channels. There's clairvoyance where we get visions. There's clairaudience where we hear sound, right? We can actually hear the voice of our angels and guides. There's claircognizance where we just get these downloads of knowing pieces of information. And that's typically what happens, especially as a visionary, when we're downloading information for our businesses or where we want to take our life and our goals and our manifestations. Clairsentience is a physical sensation. So this is where, you know, I was picking up other people's mm -hmm. physical pain. So typically healers, people that do massage work, acupuncture, chiropractic, you know, physical therapy sometimes have this where we pick up other people's physical pain and it's just fleeting. It goes away once we're done with that client. And then there's clear empath picking up other people's emotions. But if you do practices, because I teach this specific exercises to strengthen each one of these, then we start to build those muscles. You know, if we want to be a bodybuilder, well, it doesn't happen overnight if we've never exercised before, or if we only exercise sporadically, you do have to to work out every muscle group and strengthen it on a weekly basis, a couple times a week, so that within six months, a year or two, suddenly now we're strong enough to hit the stage and do that bodybuilding competition. It's the same thing with your psychic and channeling abilities. That's just one layer, which is the actual training part of it. But then the other layers are working on the mindset and the emotions, the manifestation part of it, because what we may not realize is that the law of attraction is working in the spiritual world faster and instantaneously compared to the physical world. So in our 3D everyday world, it takes us a while. If you know we want to manifest that six-figure business or the new car or the boyfriend or you know whatever it is, the soulmate, that kind of thing, it takes a little bit of time. Sometimes it can happen very quickly if you if you are actually energetically ready for it. But sometimes it takes time to build a business and mm -hmm. to do these things and to get to your goals. But in the spiritual world, it happens instantaneously. The moment you think of something, you're drawing it in. But what you don't realize is that unconsciously, whatever vibration you are at, you are drawing that in. Mm. So what oh happens? God, Lauren, this goes with our conversation we had the other night. I don't know if you want me to tell about. The well, let me finish this real quick oh. and then then tell me your story because I want to get through this, this whole <laughs> little um, <laughs> picture so that you have a clear understanding. This is important for both of you and for your listeners is that in those moments, if you are depressed, if you're anxious, if you're struggling and you're trying to find answers, especially when we start using tarot cards, right? Tarot cards are neutral, right? They are a neutral energy. But what happens is sometimes we're looking for answers and we're using cards or we're using our pendulum or we're, you know, whatever 
method you're using in order to do divination is we're searching for answers because we're feeling stuck. But then what you don't realize is your energy is feeling stuck. Your energy is actually of a low vibration. So you're drawing in low vibrational spirits and beings that are giving you answers. So you are psychically picking things up and you are getting answers, but they're from Entities that are closer to the earth realm, they are more dense and they are not of a high vibrational frequency, meaning they're going to tell you what you want to hear. They're going to give you false predictions. They're going to boost you up and say you're going to be rich and famous. They're going to do things like that because they're just kind of trickery, right? It's like having uh, little kids or teenagers kind of messing with you. And so if you're not mindful of how you're, you're channeling, you really need to do a lot of groundwork and make sure you're in a very high vibrational frequency. You're doing your healing, your forgiveness, your trauma work, because the higher your vibration is naturally, and the higher your vibration is going into your channeling sessions. Now you're going to pick up the higher vibrational spirits, the high level guides that are with you past loved ones, maybe grandparents that are coming through and supporting you, the the angels and so forth. But you can only reach those levels when you've cleared out enough of your past issues and problems and traumas that you are at a higher vibration. And the thing is the lower vibration guides are the ones that are sucking your energy. Mm. They are latching onto you and they are draining you. You should not feel drained after channeling. If you are, then you're not channeling in a high frequency or properly. Real quick, before we keep going, a couple things to keep in mind. This is important. Anytime uh, an answer comes through psychically, you need to ask it, who are you? Are you who you say you are? You need to be very clear with who you're calling in and then double check to make sure it's that person or that entity or that angel. And if they don't answer you or if they say no and then they start laughing, send them away immediately. You have to be very, very intentional with who you channel and who you don't because there's a lot of tricksters in the spiritual world. And it's important to one, start by protecting yourself before you go in, raise your vibration, double check on whoever's coming in, send them away and tell them they can never come back and do a lot of energy clearing and protection afterwards so that you're not getting drained and you're not being tricked while you're in the spiritual world. So there's a lot of layers, Mm. (laughs) which is why I at least wanted to say all of this. Oh yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. And honestly, you talking about how you could, you took on the sensation in your bodies of others. I was actually having this crazy reading that I was doing for someone. And this was one that I think kind of freaked me out a little bit. But when I was doing the reading, all of a sudden I started choking. Like I could not breathe at all. And I had to really stop and drink water and like come back. And I was like, I don't know what's happening, but like I can't breathe. And like physically, I feel like like my throat is closing up and like, I feel like I'm being choked. And I just kept getting like, this isn't, there was something going on. And she had been in a physically abusive relationship where her partner was literally strangling her and she wanted to get out and she didn't know how and things like that and then so it was one of those readings where I was like okay wow this is this is too this is a lot I don't know how how I feel about like feeling all of this yeah and this is where the practice and the strengthening of your skill set comes into play because I had some similar stuff not and and sometimes with my clients that has happened too where when uh, several years ago, when I had a really big psychic opening, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I was picking up on people's past lives. Hmm. People were talking to me. And then I was kind of like, hmm, in my consciousness, I just thought, where was this coming from? And I like projected my third eye into their energy field. And all of a sudden, I would pull up a past life that was 
bad. Like it, it was this entire like two weeks where all of a sudden I was pulling up everyone's worst past lives where they were killed, beaten, murdered, burned at the stake. And not only was I seeing it, but I was feeling it. I was an emotional wreck. I was suddenly sucking in all of their emotions. And then because I was in a bad emotional state from all this psychic information I was taking in, I had no boundaries. I didn't know how to have boundaries. Then I started to draw in the low vibrational guides that came in with some bad predictions. And I just had to shut it off for like two, three months and do a lot of inner work and heal. And then when I came back, angels all the way. I did so much work <laughs> that suddenly I learned how to have boundaries. And so we do need to learn how to strengthen all of our psychic skills so that as we channel, we can also choose how deep we want to go and how much we want to pull back. So this is something that I've done with myself and other clients is learning how to, for example, I had one client that had a lot of physical stuff. She was an acupuncturist. She is an acupuncturist. And she kept having so many physical aches and pains. And then she would walk into work and the new patient would have that same pain. And she's been aching for like a day or two oh, wow. before the patient came in. And so what I trained her to do was enhance her clairvoyance. So we trained her to be more clairvoyant and set the intention in her subconscious belief system that she was no longer going to pull in clairsentience and feel it in her body. And instead, what she did every morning before work, she would spend a good 15 minutes to channel clairvoyantly all her patients for the day to see what was going on with them psychically. And we put in a psychic box all the physical sensations and her chronic pain from all of her patients went down by like 90% because we created a new intention and we trained her to use other Claire senses versus the one that was naturally coming through. Mm. For me, I trained myself to be able to see and feel people's emotions from past lives or what's going on with them in the here and now or whatever psychic information comes through. But I do it with a barrier with the, about two feet in front of me so that I'm not sucking in their emotional stuff mm -hmm. anymore. I'll feel it. There are moments where I still get a little emotional, like, oh my God, this is really heavy, but I'm not taking it in fully and feeling it 100% as if I was there in that situation, the one being killed or abused or whatever. So learning psychic boundaries is also really important. Absolutely. I agree. Courtney, what were you going to say that you were like so let up by? Oh, I mean, I feel like on the podcast, you shared kind of a, a, a lot about like your journey of conception. And I was just going to share like you and I were having a conversation the other night and you were talking about how you have worked for a really long time on like your deep wound of like rejection and I know we've talked about that on the podcast as well and how we were talking and first of all like I just appreciate that we're friends and we create like a space where we can talk about this stuff because I think a lot of people don't have that full openness that you and I have but we were talking about how like the energy that you were holding on to of this rejection wound is actually blocking your conception ability mm. because it's so deep rooted in like how you identify yourself that it's almost like blocking that manifestation of your spirit child coming through. And so I was just, that's kind of all of what she was saying related to that. And it made me instantly think of our conversation where I'm still very new with, you know, trusting my intuition, but I'm very comfortable with Lauren. So I get some of the, I get more of that with her when we're in like our flow state. And I was, I told her I was and she wasn't even talking about conception. We were just talking in general about her, you know, work on the rejection. And I was like, oh my God, I just had an epiphany. And she's like, what? And I'm like, 
I think your rejection is blocking the baby. And she was like, I know, and I hate it. Yeah. She's like, why well, am actively working, working on? on, but it's been so difficult. <laughs> we had another conversation. We talked about human design in a different episode before. And one of the things she was talking about in my chart was this concept of being stuck between suffering and desire. And, you know, all of my life, I have been surrounded by people who I feel like have just been going through complete chaos and suffering. And I've learned about, like, I've came face to face with death at a young age and all of these other things. So it's like heavy topics that I take on. And I always kind of felt rejected about my own problems. So I always felt like my problems weren't as bad as everybody else's around me in a sense. So I always felt like my emotions and feelings and problems went unnoticed and everybody else was focused on. So I had this subconscious belief as a child that if I am not suffering, I won't get attention. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I really had to work through as a child because, you know, I would do things where I'd be like, oh, mom, like, I don't feel good today, like trying to get her attention, not realizing I was like over exaggerating. And it actually bit me in the butt because one time I actually was dying and nobody around me believed me and didn't believe like the pain that I was in until like it took about like a month or two when finally the doctors were like, oh my gosh, you have no oxygen. Like we have to rush you to the hospital now. You have a staph infection in your blood. You have staph pneumonia, all of these things that they'd miss. Pretty sure that that was also part of a lot of emotions that I was also going through as a child. And yeah, just so much. But essentially, I feel like there was this the struggle within me of realizing that like life doesn't have to be about suffering. Like you don't have to suffer to be worthy of good things. And that's like a concept that I've really had to work through. And sometimes I think it subconsciously blocks me from allowing myself to receive, you know, and that was kind of what we were talking about. Yeah. And that's one of my life lessons too. (laughs) I feel you on that one. You know, I grew up in a big family. So, you know, the only way to get attention was to be screaming, which Mm -hmm. is what a lot of my other sisters did or to be sick which was me (laughs) or be bad. That was the one in my family. Mm -hmm. Like if you're the problem child, then you're going to get attention. If you're doing everything you're supposed to do, that's right. You're not going to get any attention, including getting noticed for the good things that you are doing because you've obviously got it figured out. So we're just going to let you do your thing. No. Yeah. Interestingly enough, I was the the good child, right? Natalie, oh, she's so perfect. She's perfect. But for me, it actually turned into this feeling that I had to be perfect all the time in order to be loved and accepted. And I never felt like I was perfect because as a child, I didn't know what that mean. What does it mean to be perfect? Was it, what does that even mean? And so for me, if I wasn't number one in my class, if I was second or third best on a test or something like that, I hated myself. Like it was, it was this turmoil that I could never be the best at everything. And it it really wore on me feeling like I'm never good enough. And I could never live up to this unrealistic pedestal expectation that I thought everyone else had for me. And then I unconsciously had for me because it was what I believed I was supposed to be and who I was supposed to be. And so I just never felt good enough no matter what I did and who I was, no matter how many accomplishments I had. And so, you know, there's, there's pros and cons to everything. It's so funny. I've actually tried to in the past picked apart like every role in the family unit and every type of personality and the pros and cons, every single person, whether you're the the bad kid or the good kid or anything in between, there are problems 
that can happen or missteps in our thinking that can be twisted around no matter who you are. Oh yeah. No matter you know, yeah. Whether you have the greatest family or an abusive family, whether you're rich or poor or whatever it is, there are ways that we can all as individuals. And that's part of the human collective consciousness that we can twist things and create something unhealthy mm-hmm. in any situation. Absolutely. I agree. Well, this has been so great. I'm so glad we got to have you on the podcast and we really appreciate you coming on. I feel like I could talk about this like all day, (laughs) but before we get too far, I figured, you know, this would be a great place to have you let everybody know where they can connect with you, where, and I'm going to leave it in the show notes as well, links to your website and to your courses and your offerings and your Instagram, but just to let everybody know in case they don't go to the show notes and they just listen. Yes, of course. Well, my name is Natalie Schlute. So if you type in my name in any platform, you can find me. I, there is no other Natalie Schlute out there with my last name. If it is, it's a fake account. So be aware of that. (laughs) But, um, you know, I'm on a lot of platforms. I have my own podcast, the Successful Soul Podcast. I have a YouTube channel. I'm really active on Instagram. That's probably my largest account, but I've got a free Facebook group where you can check out my website. I do open my doors for Soul Mastery School a few times a year, but only to people on my email list. So I'll give you all a wonderful freebie about following your intuition where I break down the different intuitive types. These are the same psychic types that you would channel with. It's just when you're channeling your intuition, you're opening yourself up to your higher self, your own soul's guidance, which is lovely and beautiful and wonderful. So I'll make sure I give you all the link to that. Um, But yeah, you can kind of find me across the board. I'm on Pinterest and I just started the TikTok and Twitter thing. So those are new, but I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on being everywhere that I can be out there. Hard. For all it's of my hard. Powers. There's so many social media channels these days. I don't know how people keep up with all of them. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely takes a team. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again, Natalie. And thank you everybody for listening. Until next time. Bye. Thank you, ladies. <laughs>